and welcome. You're listening to Help with Ashley Yagi, where I share shortcuts to success for optimal mental health, meaningful relationships, and living the life God is calling you to. Because don't we all need just a little help now and then? I know I sure do. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, my friends. I am delighted to be with you today and so thrilled by our topic. Today, we'll wrap up our discussion for now on change and goals and habits. I have an amazing resource for you today. But first, I heard this quote by Elder Uchtdorf on Don't Miss This that I thought was a fitting way to begin our last episode on the topic. He said, quote, Do you want to change the shape of your life? Change the shape of your day. Do you want to change your day? Change this hour. Change what you think, feel, and do at this very moment. A small rudder can steer a large ship. Small bricks can become magnificent mansions. Small seeds can become towering sequoias. Minutes and hours well spent are the building blocks of a life well lived. They can inspire goodness, lift us from the captivity of imperfections, and lead us upward to the redemptive path of forgiveness and sanctification. With you, I lift my heart in gratitude for the magnificent gift of new opportunity, new life, new hope. We lift our voices in praise of our bountiful and forgiving God, for surely he is a God of new beginnings. The sublime end of all his labor is to help us, his children, succeed in our quest for immortality and eternal life. We can become new creatures in Christ, for God has promised, as often as my people repent, will I forgive them their trespasses against me and remember them no more. My beloved brothers and sisters, dear friends, we all drift from time to time, but we can get back on course, end quote. That was Elder Uchtdorf's talk, Daily Restoration, in October of 2021. To create change, we need only change this minute or this hour, for our minutes become our days and our days become our lives. How well said. So how do we change our minutes? How do we get beyond a moment of temptation or weakness or heartache or fear? For those of you who have been to the temple to receive your endowment, I want you to bring to your mind the picture of those who are standing at the veil ahead of you. They stand with help right by their side, ready to aid them at any moment, all dressed in white. Can you picture it? When I went for the first time, the temple matron called these people angels there to assist us. And what a beautiful symbol of truth that is. There are angels standing nearby right there, ready to assist us at any time. And what a help and strength to us they are. My resource I share with you at the conclusion of this month is Ministering Angels. Elder Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, quote, In times of special need, he sent angels, divine messengers, to bless his children, reassure them that heaven was always very close and that his help was always very near. From the beginning down through the dispensations, God has used angels as his emissaries in conveying love and concern for his children. Usually such beings are not seen, sometimes they are, but seen or unseen, they are always near. Sometimes their assignments are very grand and have significance for the whole world. Sometimes the messages are more private. Occasionally, the angelic purpose is to warn, but most often it is to comfort, to provide some form of merciful attention, guidance in difficult times. I testify the angels are still sent to help us even as they were sent to help Adam and Eve, to help the prophets, and indeed to help the Savior of the world himself. Matthew records in his gospel that after Satan had tempted Christ in the wilderness, angels came and ministered unto him. 
Even the Son of God, a God himself, had need for heavenly comfort during his sojourn in mortality. And so such ministrations will be to the righteous until the end of time. I testify of angels, both the heavenly and the mortal kind. In doing so, I am testifying that God never leaves us alone, never leaves us unaided in the challenges that we face, nor will he, so long as time shall last, or the earth shall stand, or there shall be one man or woman or child upon the face thereof to be saved. On occasions, global or personal, we may feel we are distanced from God, shut out from heaven, lost, alone in dark and dreary places, often enough that distress can be of our own making. But even then, the Father of us all is watching and assisting, and always there are those angels who come and go all around us, seen and unseen, known and unknown, mortal and immortal, end quote. He said, seen or unseen, they are always near. God never leaves us alone. He never leaves us unaided in the challenges that we face. What a beautiful doctrine and what a beautiful testimony. That talk is entitled The Ministry of Angels and was given by Elder Holland in October of 2008. DNC 8488 says, And whoso receiveth you, there I will be also, for I will go before your face. I will be on your right hand and on your left, and my spirit shall be in your hearts, and mine angels round about you to bear you up. End quote. So is this help available only in times of temptation or distress? Are they limited in when they can step in to help us? Who has access to this privilege, and how do we access their help? Sister Wendy Watson Nelson, the wife of our dear prophet, said the following, The prophet Joseph Smith declared that if we live up to our privilege, the angels will not be able to be restrained from being our associates. Our privilege includes our covenants. Our covenants are a privilege. Therefore, as we live up to our covenants, the angels will not be able to be restrained from being our associates. We could also say it this way, as we keep our covenants, we can ask for angels to help us, literally. It was during Elder Jeffrey R. Holland's April 2010 General Conference Address that I first learned this truth. Elder Holland's prescription for success was exactly what I needed to hear. He said, quote, ask for angels to help you, end quote. He said it with such clarity, and yet he said it in a manner that implied this was something we all knew. But for me, it was an entirely new principle. I wanted to call out, wait, wait, what? You mean I could have been asking for angels to help me all this time? Without intending to sound too dramatic, I can say with all candor that Elder Holland's six words changed my life. Quote, ask for angels to help you, end quote. That counsel changed my prayers. It changed my understanding of the very real help from heaven that is always available to us as we keep our covenants. I started to ask for assistance from those on the other side of the veil from that moment on, end quote. So is this something we all know? We can just ask for angels to help us. I remember how Elder Holland's talk impacted me in 2008. I had had no idea the reality of angels always being around me before that. I had heard of angels being around and helping people before, but I had certainly not understood that they were always near me, available to help me. And even still, the concept of asking for their help is still a fairly new concept to me nearly 15 years later. The next place I found helpful information in my own life about this was in what the unknown author of the Visions of Glory had to say on the subject. It says, quote, Another significant thing I learned was that we are never alone. Angels are always present, both good and evil. I also realized that by my behavior, mood, or thoughts, I was in control of who was in the room with me. I used to feel negative feelings or emotions and feel overpowered by them. 
I was startled to realize that I was dealing with dark spirits who overwhelmed me when I gave them permission by my emotions. I realized I was in control and I worked hard to remain positive and loving to invite divine beings into my life who uplifted me and those around me. It is a tenet of my faith now that, for good or evil, we are never alone. I also realized that our agency is always honored, so much so that even though there are good angels around us, we still have to invite their intervention. We invite them to assist us by prayer, by having hope, by feeling faith and belief. Even the words we may think quietly or speak to ourselves, even these matter. Like, please show me how. Please help me. Please, God, help me find my keys. Please, God, save my children. All of these things trigger powerful things from the other side of the veil. They become even more powerful when we have learned to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit because then we can be given the answers to these urgent prayers more quickly and profoundly. Every time God becomes involved in our lives, he is teaching and bringing to pass our eternal life. When Father answers our prayers, he does so through angels because the angels grow also. They learn what it is like to be like God, to serve and to relay God's answers to his children's prayers. This process is entirely orderly and divinely orchestrated. There is no happenstance or coincidence in their work. The good angels are subject to his command and limited or empowered by our faith. There are no oops moments when dealing with God or his messengers. Prayers are never not answered correctly due to an error on the other side. Everything happens precisely as God directs. End quote. I cannot see the angels or spirits around me, but I try to picture them there. I picture both the evil spirits and the good spirits and picture the things that I do inviting one group or the other close. I picture the angels, those good spirits, eagerly wanting to help me. I picture them standing back at a bit of a distance to honor my agency. In my mind, they are on the edge of their seat, so to speak, waiting for the slightest invitation to help. So this is how I call angels to help or aid me. It is through the words I speak quietly or to myself as it suggests in the words of the book. I simply invite their help. If I know they are there and the reason they are there is to help me, then I can understand they are eager to help. Sometimes I ask for help in finding something. I ask for their help in watching out for my children. I ask for their help in keeping us safe or guarding us from the evil spirits. I ask for help in moments of temptation. I invite them close. I ask for help in moments of distress. And it works. I feel the temptation flee. I feel strength and hope come. Sometimes when I ask, I immediately recall a place to look for something. Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. We simply have to invite their help. Is it possible that the reason we are in so much need of having the Spirit is so that the angels around us can assist us? Have you seen the painting of a woman with a concourse of angels around her or above her to assist, bless, and strengthen her by artist Brian Kershishnik? I'm sorry if I slaughtered that name. She's alone and she has a few angels touching her to give her strength. And there are angels strengthening those angels and there are about 50 angels there to help her. I've seen other paintings as well. One of a pair of missionaries who are walking down the road with five angels around them helping them. Elder Holland assures us they are always near. He didn't say occasionally or sometimes near. He said always. And doesn't that sound like our loving Heavenly Father who wants nothing more than our success? He gives us angels. He gives our children angels. There are people on the other side of the veil on assignment to help us. If we know they are there and their work is us and that they have to honor our agency and that they are eager to strengthen, aid, or guide us, we can use them. Let us use them. Barbara Morgan Gardner, 
whose mission it has been to help women and girls understand the rights of the priesthood they have, shares the following, quote, The general use of the term priesthood keys or keys of the priesthood can be understood as rights belonging to and available to priesthood leaders, but the blessings and privileges flowing from them also belong to all members of the church who are worthy of them. These rights must be defined in their respective contexts. For example, the keys of the ministering of angels are available to all Aaronic priesthood holders by right, see Doctrine and Covenants 13.1, and all worthy members of the church may receive the blessings of this right or responsibility. In other words, the Aaronic priesthood holder has a responsibility by right to turn the key of the ministering of angels, making it possible for all worthy covenant-keeping members to have the ministering of angels. As President Oaks inquired, how does the Aaronic priesthood hold the key to the ministering of angels? He then answered his own question. So this is Elder Oaks. He says, quote, Through the Aaronic priesthood ordinances of baptism and the sacrament, we are cleansed of our sins and promised that if we keep our covenants, we will always have his spirit to be with us. I believe that promise not only refers to the Holy Ghost, but also to the ministering of angels, for angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, wherefore they speak the words of Christ. See 2 Nephi 32.3. So it is that those who hold the Aaronic Priesthood open the door for all church members who worthily partake of the sacrament to enjoy the companionship of the Spirit of the Lord and the ministering of angels. End quote. Sister Gardner then shares a quote by President M. Russell Ballard. Quote, all who have made sacred covenants with the Lord and who honor those covenants are eligible to receive personal revelation, to be blessed by the ministering of angels, to commune with God, to receive the fullness of the gospel, and ultimately to become heirs alongside Jesus Christ of all our Father has, end quote. She then says, these privileges stated by President Ballard are usually taught in context of those who hold the priesthood or who have priesthood keys, such as those holding the Aaronic priesthood, or elders serving as missionaries. I have read and listened to many talks in which the young men have been told how significant it is that they have the right to the ministering of angels. Although this is correct, so do the young women. All may receive the ministering of angels based upon their ability to make and keep sacred covenants associated with baptism and every other covenant. What an incredible privilege our eight-year-old primary girls could and should understand. It is critical to not only teach the young men about what it means to hold the keys of the ministering of angels, but to also teach both the young women and young men what it means to have the ministering of angels in their lives. Imagine the blessings a young woman could have as she is going through the early stages of maturation to know that she has the privilege of having angels, seen or unseen, accompany her, know her, and speak to her. In a recent class I taught, I asked 50 students, 35 of whom were female, who has the privilege of the ministering of angels? Not one female student in the class raised her hand. How different the lives of these 35 young adult, mostly returned sister missionaries and young mothers could have been over the last decade of their lives had they better understood this truth, end quote. Can you help her and I in teaching this incredible doctrine to our young women, to our adult women, and to our boys and our men? As she said, what a difference it could make. It could make all the difference. Do you think our youth would be better able to resist temptation if they knew they could call their angels to their side? Do you think the youth would be better able to lead each other if they knew they were engaged in this work with angels at their side? Do you think there would be less of loneliness and despair in our youth if they knew and recognized that a loving God never leaves them alone, but there are people sent to minister to them constantly? 
Are these not some of the most beautiful truths? Can we share them with our families? Can we share the power of our covenants? I have a final quote from Larry E. Dahl in an Enzyme article that summarizes words from scripture about angels' work on the earth and who they are, and then we will wrap up for today. He said, quote, The scriptures are clear about the role of ministering angels. As Mormon testified in Moroni 7.37, it is by faith that angels appear and minister unto men. Wherefore, if these things have ceased, will be unto the children of men, for it is because of unbelief. Just what do angels do when they appear and minister unto men? Try to think of examples of each of these as I read what he shares. He says, The scriptures show that they announce and testify of events pertaining to God's work and glory. They preach the gospel and minister unto the children of men to make manifest concerning the coming of Christ. They declare the word of Christ unto chosen vessels of the Lord that they may bear testimony of him. They bring to earth their rights, their keys, their honors, their majesty and glory, and the power of their priesthood. They protect and guide the servants of God in times of trouble so that they may accomplish his purposes. They bring comfort, instruction, and warnings to faithful individuals in times of need. He goes on, Who are these angels? The Lord has revealed that there are no angels who minister to this earth, but those who do belong or have belonged to it, as it says in D&C 135. Such personages may be spirits who have not yet been born into mortality, or who have lived on the earth but who have not yet been resurrected, or beings with tangible bodies who have been either resurrected or translated. President Joseph S. Smith gave us some insight about angels who minister to those on the earth. He continues, quote, When messengers are sent to minister to the inhabitants of this earth, they are not strangers, but from the ranks of our kindred, friends, and fellow beings and fellow servants. The ancient prophets who died were those who came to visit their fellow creatures upon the earth. They came to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It was such beings, holy beings, if you please, who waited upon the Savior and administered to him on the mount. The angel that visited John when in exile and unfolded to his vision future events in the history of man upon the earth was one who had been here, who had toiled and suffered in common with the people of God. In like manner, our fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters and friends who have passed away from this earth, having been faithful and worthy to enjoy these rights and privileges, may have a mission given to them to visit their relatives and friends upon the earth again, bringing from the divine presence messages of love, of warning, of reproof and instruction to those whom they had learned to love in the flesh, end quote. As a therapist, I have had some sacred experiences shared with me of loved ones who have passed away ministering to their loved ones still on the earth, and that is a beautiful thought. I have also had people testify of some of my ancestors around me and my family in important moments. Elder Holland said in his talk, The Ministry of Angels, quote, Time in this setting does not allow even a cursory examination of the scriptures or our own latter-day history, which are so filled with the counts of angels ministering to those on earth, but it is rich doctrine and rich history indeed, end quote. What a sacred topic today and what a powerful doctrine. In summary, in 60 seconds or less, angels administer to men according to their faith. Our covenants made at baptism grant us constant access to ministering angels. Angels are constantly around us, though they are usually unseen. Spirits on assignment from God to minister to us are there by assignment and are bound in honoring our agency. We can call for their help through prayer or through the words we speak, even quiet words or words spoken in our head, those unspoken admonitions to God for strength or help. These angels can comfort, guide, warn, assist, strengthen, testify, teach, 
and far more according to the command of our loving Father in heaven who orchestrates his work on earth, which is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. We can and ought to be using this incredible source of help and strength regularly in our lives. And I hope that you will help me in teaching these simple, powerful truths to everyone. What a difference it can and will make for each of us. I so testify of these things alongside these amazing people today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful, spirit-filled week, my friends. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Subscribe and share to keep these episodes coming. The content shared is for educational and informational purposes only. It should not be used for diagnosing or treating a mental health problem.